0: You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. This morning, or this afternoon, or this evening, you will hear Moses protects his people. Moses protects his people. Today, on Words of Encouragement.
1: As we uh, move along in, in looking at the great stories of the Bible, we have, uh, well, last week we learned about Moses and how he came into the world and how he floated in the basket and how he was taken care of uh, by people that, well, by his own mother came, came come to find out uh, and with all that was happening there it did not sound like he would live and yet what happened? God's hand was upon him. And that's what happens. When God's hand is in what's happening, things do not always go like we think they will. And I like that. I like that fact that when God's hand is in something, it may just not go exactly like we think it will. Have you ever considered how you got to where you are now? Now, sitting here in this building, have you ever thought about the various circumstances of your life, the various things that have happened and occurred in your life that got you to the point where you are sitting here in this auditorium this morning? There were decisions you made, there were circumstances that were beyond your control that had a hand in getting you where you are now, and that hand of God is in that. He is at work. He is at work in the decisions that you make and the circumstances in which you find yourself. Today we're going to look at God's hand in the life of Moses. If you are able and willing, I ask that you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God from Exodus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12. Bible says now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one of his brethren so he looked this way and that and when he saw that there was no one around he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand may god bless the reading of his word to our hearts and lives today i ask that you be seated i invite you to be seated this morning well, one of the first things I want us to see is that Moses defends his people. Now, look at this. Now, this is what? Moses has killed an Egyptian. What? Now, wait a minute. But what I want us to see, what, what is he doing here? It sounds extreme, and it is, but what is happening here? Moses is identifying with his people. Did you see in verse 11, it came about in those days when Moses had grown up, that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. He is identifying with God's people. So much so that he defends them. He defends the people uh, that he grew up with, but he defends them against The other people that he grew up with, the Egyptians. We could debate all day as to whether or not this was right and and, and good to do this murder that he did. But the point is that Moses took up for his people. Even if the Egyptian man killed his own slave, this act was not a capital offense. Moses had no legal authority to punish the Egyptian. In hiding the body in the sand, Moses demonstrates that he knows he has committed a crime. He knows he's done wrong. He knows it was wrong, and he hides the man in the sand. Moses is finally identifying with his people. He knew he was not an Egyptian. He understood that. Notice in verse 12, as I pointed out already, two times Moses refers to his brethren. Remember, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. The the double emphasis in this verse should not be overlooked. Stephen in Acts 7 verse 25 gives us a bit more information about this, this situation, this incident with Moses. It says, and he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. So it it seems as if Moses knew in some unclear way that he was to have a role in the lives of God's people, in the deliverance of God's people. As to how and at what point, he does not know at this point. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, He went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, Why are you striking your companion? Now these are his own people. And so he not only wants to have uh, have the people be at peace uh, with you know with the situation, and somehow until deliverance comes, he wants them to be at peace with each other. And he says, "Oh my, this is this is ridiculous." We see something in Moses that wants to even deliver them from themselves, not to be fighting amongst themselves. So there's some there's some hint of delivering uh, of this. Idea of deliverance in Moses. Look at verse 14. But he said, who made you a prince? Now, this is the one one of the men that spoke up that he's speaking to. Who made you a prince or a judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, surely the matter has become known. Uh Uh-oh. People know now. People are talking about it. Circumstances have changed for Moses. The men ask who made him prince or judge over them. They're not happy with him. And and they know that it will be assumed that a Hebrew killed the Egyptian. Something's wrong here. They're they're afraid. They're afraid that word may get out that a Hebrew did this. Things begin looking dim for the Hebrews and for Moses. But look at the first part of verse 15. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses. So it's come to this. It's come to this. Moses is going to have to pay for what he did. Sure enough, word has gotten around. Well, what do we take away from this passage? One of the things I think we can see is that that as Christians, we are to take care of each other. We are to defend one another. Now, please do not mishear me. I am not saying that you kill someone to defend a Christian brother or sister. Now, there are situations, and you can talk to law enforcement officers, self-defense, there are situations you can talk to them about, as far as legally and all that, how that goes. But what I want us to see is that we are to be there for one another We as Christians are to walk with each other in this world and we're to be brothers and sisters to each other in this world. What does that mean? That means when one of us weeps, we all weep. That means when one of us celebrates, we all celebrate because we're family and that's who we are. And as Christians, we're to take care of each other. What is coming our way as a family? What is coming our way? Will our nation turn on us as believers? How will we respond Will we seek God's counsel before we speak or act? Or will we take things into our own hands and do whatever we want to do? Will we show others the love of God no matter what they do to us? Will we watch over each other and take care of each other? That's the first thing I want us to see is that we must take care of each other. We as the people of God must take care of each other. The next thing we see here is that God protects and prepares Moses. Look at the second part of verse 15. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Moses runs from Egypt to find some sort of protection from the Pharaoh. It is obvious at this point that Moses is separated from his Egyptian ties. Moses cannot stay in Egypt. This this makes him decide he's going to make his home in Midian. Truly, God's hand is at work in his life, even if He does not notice it at this time. Look at verse 16. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The Midian, the Midianites, who are these people? The Midianites are people who worship the God of the Hebrews. This area, Midian, where Moses stops, is located in western Saudi Arabia, southern Jordan, uh, southern Israel. And the Egyptian Sinai Peninsula. So you can kind of see where he came from Egypt to Midian. You can see how far that was. It's a good <clears throat> little hop, if you will, uh, to uh, Midian. Uh, this priest of Midian that he talks about, seven daughters, these daughters come to collect the water, to water their father's flock. But notice what happens. Notice what happens in verse 17. Then the, then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Ah, these shepherds just move right in front of them and get the water they need. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you, well, they were not modern-day uh, men, were they? I don't know. That's kind of questionable too, isn't it? That tells you that in that day and time, there really wasn't much respect at all for women, and that these men just came along and said, well, we are the shepherd. We're, We need water, we're going to get it. And they just kind of moved in front of these women to get the water. Uh, there's not a lot of respect happening here. But look at the second part of verse 17. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Oh, my goodness, I could preach a whole sermon on standing up. And yet there are times in our lives that you and I must stand up and take care of business and take care of things. We can't sit idly by and watch someone suffer. We've got to stand up. And Moses is taking care of some who worship the God of the Hebrews. There is a connection here. Moses stands up. He waters the flock. The daughters make it back to their father. And he asks, whoa, wait a minute. Why are you back so soon? Look at verse 19. So they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And what is more, he even drew the water for us and watered the flock. Oh, my goodness. They recognized Moses as an Egyptian. There was a look, a way of speaking, a way of dressing. Uh, maybe there was a way of walking like an Egyptian. Okay. Bad, bad, bad joke. All right. But, may, you know, but the, the point is, they looked and said, this guy's an Egyptian. What in the world is he doing to help us? Why is he helping us? Whatever it was, they did notice he was an Egyptian. But notice also, they tell their dad, and now I I know some girls call their their daddy, daddy, and I love that. So let's do that. They they tell their daddy that Moses, quote, delivered them from the hand of the shepherds. Now there it is again. There is this language of deliverance, this action of deliverance, and that's who Moses is. He is a deliverer sent by God. The word delivered here means to rescue, to free from harm or evil. Isn't that interesting? It should be. This is the second time that Moses has acted as a deliverer. Notice that these women are strangers. He, Moses is against uh, injustice to all people, not just the Hebrew people. God, through Moses, is taking care of people. Look at verse 20. He said to his daughters, where is he then? Why is it that you've left the man behind? Invite him to have something to eat. What in the world are y'all doing? Where? What happened to your etiquette? What happened to your manners? Manners, ladies. What happened? Where is he? Go get him. Go get him. There seems to be a thought that uh, there, some commentators feel that there, 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 there seems to be a thought that, well, maybe he could be a husband to one of these daughters. You know, there's, they're thinking that. Well, sure enough, Ruel, the Jethro, gives his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. So that's kind of where they get that idea that maybe, well, maybe Jethro's kind of looking. You know, I mean, you're always looking for a quality person to marry your daughter there. Well, look at verse 22. Uh, so, so this has happened. And verse 22 says then she gave birth to a son and he named him Gershom for he said I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Well isn't that some interesting language uh, a sojourner in a foreign land. Who was Moses? He was a sojourner in a foreign land, land of Egypt. He he was he's a Hebrew. Uh, and here he is again A sojourner in a foreign land. And he names his child Gershom, which means that. Same thing. Listen, you and I are sojourners in a foreign land. This world is not our home. We're only passing through. If we can get that in our heads, and we can realize that this sin-filled world is not our home, we can focus on the real home, which is heaven. We can focus on a place that is without sin. A place where God himself dwells. Oh, let's, let's focus on that. This is temporary that we li- in which we live. If we can focus on the fact that we're only passing through this world, we can lead on the Lord as we pass through. We can also remind ourselves that time is short and that we don't have forever on this earth. And that if we're going to do something with and for God, we better get to it. And that we cannot just put it off. We can't just say, well, someone else will do it. God has chosen us. We've been chosen. To go forth and share the gospel message. We can trust him to take care of us. We can trust him to take care of us. Listen, yes, the end times are coming. Will they come tomorrow? I don't know. Will they come next week, next year? I don't know. Until they do, though, we must take care of each other. And along the way, we must be willing to stand up for each other. I can guarantee that God will take care of us. As we go about our lives here on this earth, we must allow God to, oh boy, I'm going to say the C word from the pulpit and it just rattles, it rattles the Southern Baptist world, but we must allow God to change us. Oh, it's uncomfortable. Oh, we don't like to change. But we must allow God to do that in our lives. Because why? Why, Brother Craig? Why do we have to change? I like the way things are. Why? Why? Because he wants to make you like Jesus. And in order to make you like Jesus, he's got to take the stuff that's not like Jesus that's in your life away. He's got to get rid of that and so that change is going to just rattle us and bother us and we're going to have to think differently, act differently and live differently and it's annoying and it's galling to us and we don't like it but that's what God wants to do and believe it or not, that's what we gave Him permission to do when we said, God, I want you to be in charge of my life. Whoa. So all through his experiences, Moses is being prepared. He's being prepared. He's being prepared to lead the people of Israel out of bondage of slavery that they live in. And in a way, in a way, in a same similar way, through your experiences and mine, God is preparing us to lead others out of the bondage of, of the slavery of sin. Every time we learn something new from Him, we need to integrate it into our lives. He desires to make us like Jesus. Will you let Him do that? That's the question I leave you with today. Will you allow God to make you like Jesus? We must take care of each other, yes. And God will take care of us. He will prepare us. But we've got to allow Him to prepare us. We've got to allow Him to do it. We can just sit... You know, we can sit in our pew, and we can just sit there and not do a thing. And if you want to sit there and not do a thing, I'm sure that there's a place that God has prepared for you in heaven. And and I'm not going to say He's going to take you quickly, but I am going to say, my goodness, open up your life to being used by Him. Let Him use you. Let Him work through you. Because we have a world that needs to know who He is. And they're going to learn who he is through you and through me. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, O God, for this day. Lord, we thank you for what you are doing. You are preparing us to help others to, to, to be released from the slavery of sin. You are preparing us, helping us to be more like your son Jesus. And in doing that, you're helping us to help others to be free from the chains of sin. Father, help us. Help us. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears to those around us. Help us to see that there is more to this world than just us. We look at the life of Moses, we see that he was able to see his people and have a concern for them and to defend them and to, uh, to eventually, we will see, be an agent of deliverance. Father, you want to make us agents of deliverance. Help us, Father, to listen to your voice and to open our lives to your guidance, to allow you to do whatever you need to do in our lives. Father, there may be somebody here this morning that has never accepted Christ. They've never said, look, I need this Jesus in my heart. I need him. I need to be forgiven of my sin. I need him to be in charge. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to give your heart to Christ. Would you come? We're about to sing in just a few moments. Father, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for forgiving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement. We're happy to have you along as part of our podcast family. Uh, We hope that you will tell others about this podcast and share it with them, help them to also have some words of encouragement in their life. I do hope and pray that you have understood this sermon this morning, or this (laughs) as you're listening to it. Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm recording this. We record this in the mornings. And so uh, that's where I am. But whenever you're listening to this, uh, we hope that you will understand that God has called you as a Christian to protect his people. Uh, we're to protect each other. We're to look out for each other. And, and God will do that. He will take care of us. He will take care of us. And he is preparing us to be like Jesus. So my prayer for you is that you are becoming more like Jesus every day. Hope that you are. For more information, you can go to fbcwinsboro.com, that's fbcwinsboro.com. And you'll find out more about our church and our ministries uh, here at First Baptist Church of Winsboro. Well, until next time, until next week. This has been Words of Encouragement, and we hope that you are walking with Jesus.